living in this troubled society, the economy and the morality and immorality. I'm glad Jesus hadn't, he hadn't missed a beat. This, this, none of this has slipped up on him. He knows what he's doing. He's well aware of our need and he's in control. Amen. Amen. Justin, did y'all win yesterday? Did y'all win? How many touchdowns did you get? Two? All right. We're training up a man to win the Heisman Trophy so he can tithe real good in a little while. Amen. When he gets drafted, when he gets drafted by the Miami Dolphins and they win the Super Bowl, he's going to tithe real good to our church. Amen. Luke 10. You like the Miami Dolphins? God will forgive you for that. Amen. Luke chapter 10. I'm just kidding, Justin. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to begin reading in verse number, uh, verse number 30. We started last week. We started last week talking about caring for others. How many of y'all believe that we need to be a church that cares for others? We need to be a caring church. We don't need to have false advertising. Amen. If we say this is a place where friends are found, bless God, this needs to be a place where friends are found. Amen. We don't want a friendly place. Walmart's friendly. They'll give you a sticker at the door and smile and say, come back and be with us. Amen. We, do, we want a place where friends are found. People that will stick with you when it gets thick. Most of the friends I've had in my life, when it got thick, they thinned out. Amen. But that ain't what we need. The Bible says a friend loveth that. All times. That means caring. Uh, the Bible says here in this chapter, we, 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 we're not going to go over everything we talked about last week, but we did say that, that we talked about the cost of caring. If you're going to care for people, it's going to cost you. How many of y'all believe that? Say amen. amen. Now let's look, in, let's look in Luke 10, verse 30. Luke 10, verse 30. We'll just go ahead and get right into the meat of the story. A lawyer was tempting the Lord, uh, questioning him, and Jesus comes back at him with another story, and this is the story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. That's about half of our society right now. That's where the devil has left people that you live with and work with and, and go to school with every day. The devil's left them in a mess. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite. The priest was the head honcho at the, at, the, at the tabernacle. The Levite was his assistant. Basically, is this the Levites were, were responsible for leading the choir and leading the music. And so basically, you have the main man and the second man. All right? Does that make sense? All right? The Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, let's, let's, put, that into, let's put that into context. That means me. That means all of our staff, all the seven guys who run all those, all those ministries back there, the leaders there, uh, basically we came and checked it out, went by the other side. We didn't do what was necessary to meet this person's need. We saw it, we ignored it. It says this, in and, and, and verse 30, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took, took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Church, say amen. amen. Brother O'Neill, you lead us in prayer and ask the Lord to help us have compassion today. Lord, we thank you so much for what our hearts and hearts felt. We thank you this morning for your presence.
Have you ever just looked at people? Just watched them? My wife and I have this game we play when we're at a restaurant. We look at a crowd of people and we try to guess what they're talking about, whether they're on their first or second date, whether they'll ever be on a date again. It's a fun game. When you look at people, what do you see? verse in Matthew, it says, when Jesus looked out on the multitude, he had compassion on them. It's a simple little verse, but have you ever thought about that? I mean, what does Jesus see when he looks at people? He sees something so different. I mean, I see people eating, shopping, laughing. He sees the woman struggling through a divorce, the man grieving the loss of his son. He sees people, real people, and he loves them for who they are. After he said these things, he turned to those closest to him. Probably with a tear in his eye, he said, pray that God would send workers into this multitude. That's what you and I are, aren't we? He prayed for us. I mean, we see these people every day. We work with them, we pass them on the street, and we not only see them on the street, they sit beside us in our church pew every week, hurting people, saying, will somebody please help me? What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Everybody's asking Why are you leaving the life you knew? Church, say amen. Every Sunday, you sit beside people that are broken. Without even knowing it, without even knowing it, you have sat beside people that were on the verge of suicide. On the verge of giving up. Every Sunday. Every Sunday we come in with people who, we have the Sunday smile and we have the Sunday look and we, we have that, that outward appearance because we don't want anybody to know there's anything wrong, right? And we've just heard word from the doctor that it don't look good. But boy, we come in and we try to put on the good face and we have no idea of the problems that surround us every Sunday. Every Sunday. Say, so why are you saying all this? I, I, I kept looking at this story and finding out what it was that God wanted me to share with you out of this story. Last, last week we talked about the cost of caring, but this week one word kept jumping out of this chapter and screaming at me. One word in this whole story that just kept re- resonating in my heart and my mind. And, and, and this one word is that word, compassion. 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 Uh, the Bible says that when the priest came by, 
the head honcho of the tabernacle, the head honcho of the temple. I mean the one who's supposed to be the holiest, the one that's supposed to have it all together, the one that's got it all down. He came by and went right on by. The assistant did the same thing. At least he did come look at it. But I guess that's what we do when we go by a wreck, don't we? We'll roll the windows down and see what's going on. But one man, when he come by, the Bible said the word came out of this chapter and the word came out of this story that caused everything else to happen. The Bible said when he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion. Uh, I looked up that word since it was jumping out at me. I figured God wanted us to talk about it. Now watch this. Compassion, Webster's Dictionary says, the feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. Right there is where most Christians stop. But that's only half of the definition. The other half of the definition is accompanied. Accompanied. You got to put that word there. In other words, you can't have this without this. You can't have, you can't have Briar's vanilla without Hershey's chocolate. I need a witness right there. One just goes with the other. You can't have the Lone Ranger without Tonto. I need a witness. The Bible says a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Compassion is not sympathy. Compassion is not feeling sorry for somebody. Everybody, everybody feels sorry for somebody. Everybody shows sympathy every now and then. But sympathy will not get you out of that chair. Sympathy will not reach down into your wallet to change the life of somebody that's hurting. Sympathy will not do anything. It is just a feeling. Compassion is not just a feeling. Compassion is sympathy, a heartfelt problem, a heartfelt burden. And I've got to do something about this. Compassion, the Bible says, when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Sympathy will make you move. Sympathy will touch your heart, but compassion will make you get up and do something about it. So why are you saying all this? I want to share with you three quick things and we'll, we'll pray. Number one, I see three things in this story when it comes to compassion. When it comes to compassion, I see three things. Number one, and, and, and this is an epidemic in the church in America. This is an epidemic. It's terrible. We see compassion missing. Compassion missing. Where is the heart of God in the church in America today? Where is the compassion that Jesus had? Listen, where's it at? We, we, we put on the sign, this is where God shows up. We put on the sign, the answer to every problem. We put on the sign, the friendliest church in town. And if you walk in, everybody will stare at you. Say Amen. I've been in them, frozen, chosen. Polar bear, polar bear in the pulpit, penguins in the pews. I need a witness right there. If you was to lead a cow down the aisle, it'd get ice cream before you got to the altar. And we wonder why the world's not turning to the church. It already tried that and found nothing. Found people who were so involved in themselves that they didn't have time for somebody else's problems. And we wonder why they want, they're looking for God, but they hate the church. Why? They found compassion missing. Missing. I read a story. I read a sad story of the murder of Kitty Genevis. 
I, I've read this before here, but it goes too good with us. I've got to read it again. At approximately 3.20 in the morning on March 13, 1964, 28-year-old Kitty Gionevis uh, was returning to her home in a nice middle-class area of Queens, New York. She parked her car uh, in a nearby parking lot, turned off the lights, and started walk, uh, to walk to her second-floor apartment some 35 yards away. She got as far as the street light when a man grabbed her, and she began to scream. Lights went on in the 10-floor apartment nearby. She yelled, oh, my God, he stabbed me. Please help me, he stabbed me. Windows began to open in the apartment building. A man's voice shouted, let that girl alone. The attacker looked up, shrugged, and walked off down the street. Miss Kitty struggled to get to her feet, and lights went back off in the apartments. The attacker came back and stabbed her again. She again cried out, I'm dying, I'm dying. And again, the lights came on in the windows above. They opened up, and, and the assailant left again got into his car and drove away, where Miss Kitty staggered to her feet as the city bus drove by. It was now 3.35 a.m. The attacker returned once again. He found her in the doorway at the foot of the stairs because she didn't have enough strength to climb them. And he stabbed her a third time, this time with a fatal consequence. It was now 3.50. When the police received the first call, they responded quickly and within two minutes were on the scene, but she was already dead. Detectives investigating the murder discovered that no fewer than 38 of her neighbors had witnessed at least one of the attacks, one of the three attacks, and had neither come to her aid nor called the police. The one call made to the police came after she was already dead. I don't want to get involved. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Now we look at that, and that's horrifying. That's horrifying. We sit here, and, and, and I mean, I can't, even, I can't even fathom that. I mean, uh, Brother Travis, when we were sitting at the, at, the, at the homeless deal, when that little incident happened, the first thing, when that happened, everything rose up in me to do something. Everything. I mean, every natural instinct I ever had was, all right, we got to, we're going to have to, didn't have to, thank the Lord, but it was there. But do you realize we're living in a society, in a culture right now? And I'm talking about church. I'm not talking about the world. The world's going to act like the world. I'm talking about the church. When we come in and we're so busy, we're so full of everything in our own lives that we cannot turn around and see the burden somebody else is carrying. Compassion is missing in the church today. That's why Christianity is exploding in the world, but not in America. Christianity is on the decline in America. One of the only countries in the world where Christianity is on the decline. It's in America. It's in the Bible Belt. It's in the country who's supposed to be sending out missionaries and sending out the gospel and, and being the light to the world. But it's declining in America because we have lost our compassion. I wrote two things down. I kept looking at that and I kept looking and I looked at those two guys and why? Why would they do that? How did they do that? Listen, write these two things down and we'll, 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 we'll hurry. We see the reasoning for this missing compassion. Selfishness in the brethren. Selfishness in the brethren. One, one commentary, one commentary described, well, maybe the, the priest was, he did not want to defile himself because he thought the body was dead and he did not want to defile himself so that he would be ceremonially unclean. And I got to thinking about that. How many of us won't move to help somebody else because we're afraid we're going to get dirty? We, we're afraid that, that maybe, maybe what they got is contagious. We're afraid maybe that may, whatever they have might rub off on us. Well, you're too clean then. 
If you're worried about somebody rubbing off on you, you need to tighten up. When I go fishing, I want to come home smelling like fish. Because if you don't come home smelling like fish, you didn't do a good job. I, don't, I, don't, I, I just don't even want to go in this place because when I come out, I smell like smoke every time. I don't want to go visit. So, but, well, that's what sinners smell like. Big deal. That's why they make dial soap. I need a witness. Amen? We can, hey, we can, we can. My grandma said there's no excuse for dirtiness. There's a whole ocean out there and anybody will give you a bar of soap. Bless God, get a bar of soap, take a shower, but don't be afraid to get around people that are hurting. They need you. Selfishness. Selfishness is one of the, the biggest reasons that churches are dying in America. It's one of the biggest reasons marriages are dying in America. I have never one time, I don't know why I'm getting to this, but I feel it right here, so I'm going to just do it. I have never one time had anybody come into my office and say, Preacher, I have a problem with her. She just will not allow me to meet her needs. I want to be good to her. I want to, I want to uh, do things for her. And I tell you, I just, want, I just want to bless her. I want to do everything for her that I can. And she just will not let me do it. Never one time have I ever had that happen. But I have heard, I've, I've heard this. She just is not meeting my needs. She just doesn't make me happy anymore. When did it become about you? Love is about giving not taking for God so loved the world that he he gave listen when we're dating we're in love I mean we got them loving feelings we got the hooey gooey say amen right there we'll do everything we'll buy everything we'll go everywhere it doesn't matter if they're late we'll patiently sit in the in the living room and wait till they're through it doesn't matter if it takes them an hour and a half to put on their makeup but I guarantee you this after you get married you're in the car honking the horn saying come on woman We're going to be late. I heard of a story one time. The wife said, here, let me go beat the horn for you. You get in there and get them kids dressed, and I'll sit out here and beat the horn for you. (laughs) What's the cause of that? Selfishness. It turns. See, when this ring right here, when this golden band, uh, you know, when that goes on that ring, there is a chemical imbalance that takes place. Have you ever wondered why, when you said I do, you took the wrong one home? <laughs> Who is this that showed up? Who, what? You, you, this is not the one I've been... No, it ain't the other one that changes you to change. Selfishness. Selfishness. It's about me. It's about what I want. It's about what I desire. It's about having my... No, 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 no. It's never been about that. It should have never been about that. It said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. He allowed himself to be crucified on the cross. He was selfless. And I'm telling you, he changed the world. He changed the world. But you know what's happening in churches today? It's about what I want. It's about my song being sung. It's about my style of worship. It's about what I want. They can go to hell. I want what I want. Selfishness. It's not about compassion. It's not about the broken. It's not about those who are burdened with needs. It's about I I come to get something. Well, what would happen if you came to give something? What if you come... What if you come? Who can I bless today? 
No, you come and you cross your arms and say, bless me if you can. Mother Teresa couldn't bless you. You know why? You came with a wrong attitude. You came and you thought it was just about you. And these old boys right here, Brother O'Neill, they went on the other side of the road. They went on the other side of the road. But the Samaritan had compassion. The, the Samaritan said, it's not about my schedule. I know this is going, it's going to mess me up. I may miss a meeting, but this person needs me. Selfishness says, what do I need? Selflessness, what do they need? You want to transform your marriage? You want to transform your I'm talking about transform. I'm talking about when you wake up, he is the king and you are the queen. Change your attitude. Say, I'm going to live the rest of my life to please my spouse. I'm going to live the rest of my life do everything I can to make them feel special. Well, I tell you what, what about me? You don't worry about that. You just do your part. It's a response thing. Well, what if he don't? Let God handle him. He's bigger than you. Selfishness. I'm sick of selfishness in the ministry. We need compassion. But I'm telling you, if we're eat up with selfishness, it's going to be missing in the local church. Listen, compassion missing. We see the reasoning, selfishness in the brethren. Me. The results of this is suffering in the broken. People will leave hurting just as bad as when they came. I've made it a habit. Listen, I've made it a habit. When somebody brings me, when somebody brings me a burden, I pray right there, right on the spot. I was on this side over here, and, 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 and so preacher, I'm having an issue with my knee. I, I can't even remember whether it was surgery or something. There was something going on with it. I said, let's all pray. Let's stop right here. Let's pray about this need. Listen, last week, a brother was sitting right here in the second service and said, man, pray for my sister. And I, want you. I said, right here. We stopped, and we prayed right there. In the parking lot, we found out, we found out about a dad who found out he had a, a cancer in his bladder. I said, let's pray right here. Right here. Why? Because I want them to leave with help. I want them to leave knowing that somebody cares. Now, here's, here's the issue. Here's the issue. You say, well, preacher, that's, you're the preacher. You're supposed to do that. That's the problem. People perceive that I get paid to do that. But what would happen if volunteers done that? How would they feel? Are y'all with me? Listen, they're coming here for a reason. They're coming here because they have a need. They're coming because they are broken. They're coming because the world let them down. They couldn't find help out there. So maybe, just maybe, God can help us with this problem. Well, you know what? I got good news for you. He sure can. But he wants to use you to get it to happen. You are the miracle. You are what God is waiting on. He doesn't want to do a miracle for them. He wants to do it with you so you can get in on the joy. Church, say amen. amen. Can y'all see compassion missing in this story? These two guys, they see the need and they just bug right on by. Not only do we see compassion missing, number two, quickly, write this down. We see compassion moving. Amen. If you don't move, you ain't compassionate. You may be sympathetic, but you're not compassionate. Because anywhere you see compassion... Somebody's moving to do something. 
The Bible said when he saw the multitudes, they were scattered as sheep having no shepherd, and he was moved with compassion to do something for them. At another time, the Bible says he was moved with compassion and began to heal their diseases. He began to touch their hurts and their wounds. He did something about this situation. This Samaritan was traveling along his way, and all of a sudden he sees this broken man in this ditch. He is battered and beaten and broken, and now he is down in this ditch. And according to the Word of God, as soon as he saw him, he was moved to do something about the issue. But you know what? We get callous to people's needs. We get callous to people's needs. We say, well, what about mine? I'm I'm in a bad enough shape. I, I I don't need to worry. I got my own problems. Well, has that ever dawned on you that if you would start helping somebody with their problems, God would help you with your problems? I heard a preacher say a long time ago, if you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Amen? Listen, compassion moving. I, I, I saw two things here, and write, write this down, and we'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. Two things. Write both of them down, and then we'll come back and talk about them. First, we see agony realized. In order, in order to get moving, in order to get moving, because, it, it, you know, some of y'all have been stuck for a while. How many, of y'all, how many of y'all have ever had to loosen up an old boat? Rusty boat, it's been there a while, just crusted over. Sometimes, sometimes you, got, you spray WD-40 on there, liquid wrench. How many of y'all have ever done that? Raise your hand so I know you're with me. Liquid wrench, spray. You know, sometimes that don't even work, does it? Sometimes you've got to break something out. Brother, Brother Swan, what do we got to break out if liquid wrench don't do it? We got to break out that torch, ain't it? We got to crank up the heat. I need a witness right there. Anything that deals with fire, I'm in on the deal. <laughs> crank it up, baby. Amen. But you know what? Sometimes we get so stuck in our, our rut that, that nothing moves us. We can watch a video, nothing moves. We can. What's it going to take to move you? What moved? What moved this Samaritan? It was the agony that he realized. He saw somebody hurting he saw say that with me he watch this watch how your sight affects your attitude lamentations 351 says mine eye affecteth mine heart matthew 9 36 but when he saw the multitudes he was moved when he what the multitudes when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them Maybe you need to get your eyes open. Brother Chris, what happens to people when they go on the mission field who didn't care a bit about missions before they went? What happens to them? Their hearts change. What what changed it? What they saw. We're so spoiled rotten in America. We waste more food than you could ever imagine. We waste... It's ridiculous. We don't appreciate anything. But you go to a third world country. You pile up and go on a mission field and, 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 and see where real people live real lives in something that you wouldn't put your coon dog in. And you know what? It changes everything. My dad, we used to, we used to on, on homecoming... Old-fashioned day. We call it old-fashioned day homecomings, all the same thing. Overalls, you know. We had, I mean, we blowed. I had a big day. We had barbecued. We'd go kill a bunch of hogs and barbecue them, had dinner on the ground, big ice cream fellowship, and, and the big Bethel Baptist football game. 
Yeah, you thought Auburn, Alabama, son, that was the game. It was every year. And we didn't play touch neither. Say amen. And we didn't have pads either. Amen. Dad said, I preach blood and we play blood. It, somebody, was, somebody went to the hospital every year. Every year. Well, this happened to me this year. Dad went. He jammed one of the fingers on his hand. I mean, you know, I'm talking about a good one. I ain't talking about one just pull it out. I mean, it was a whoo, go to the hospital one. And he said, I was sitting there in that hospital room. I was sitting there in that waiting room, and I was, I was, I was just whining about that because, you know, Carter, Carter men will milk it. I just got to tell you that right there. <laughs> and, are you with me, baby? Yeah. <laughs> First time Mario Andretti raised her hand in the whole service right there. Amen. <laughs> He was sitting in there, and, 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 and he was just whining about that hand. And a little kid came in, missing one. It was some kind, I don't know, some kind of farm accident, whatever it was. And he just, he said, man, God convicted me. God convicted me. And you know what we as a church need to do? We need to open our eyes, people. I know you got it bad. I know I have it bad. I know everybody's got it bad. But I guarantee you this. They somebody's got it worse than you. And you know what? They may be sitting right beside you. Right beside you. Well, I've been fighting this cold all week. Well, somebody just learned they found cancer. And you know what? We're not going to move till we see it mine eye affecteth my heart but you know what many of us will do what the priest and the levite did we'll on purpose go to the other side of the road so we won't have to see it what moved this man how did compassion move him there was agony realized but then write this down this is good right here Ability recognized. I don't know. I, I was wondering what the Lord wanted me to put here, and He just spoke to me this. You'll never move till you have or you recognize that you have the ability to make a difference. Now, think about this a minute. This Samaritan moved because he realized this man needs oil and wine. I just happen to have oil and wine. This man needs somebody to carry him to the inn. I just happen to have a mule. This man needs continued care. I just happen to have two pence in my pocket. He realized this man's hurting, but I had the ability to do something. You know what we do? We make sure, well, I can't do anything. I don't have the ability to do anything. Bless God, you can pray. You can hold their hand and say, hey, let's talk to God about this. I don't have, I don't have money in my pocket, but I know the father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know the man who said he'll supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. I'm telling you, you don't have to give him a million dollars. Go talk to the one that's got it. Amen. Recognize you can do something. You have ability. You have something. God would not have chosen you to do it if you didn't think you could. 
You know what we are? We're the one in the midst of all those thousands of people with a little lunch and said, I know they got a need, but I tell you, all I got is a little lunch. I don't know what. I can't do nothing with this little lunch. I tell you what you can do. You can take it out your hands and you can put it in his hands. And when you put what you have in his hands, when it comes out of your hands into his hands, they ain't, woo, it's amazing what he can do when it gets in his hands. The Bible says that he began to, he blessed it. He blessed it and broke it and started sharing that one little lad's lunch. And when he was through, they gathered up the fragments and gathered 12 basket loaves. Say amen. One widow said, I'm going to make one more supper and then we're going to die. And the preacher said, make mine first. Isn't that just like a preacher? In the Old Testament, she didn't think she was able to meet the need. She said, I can't even take care of it. We're going to die. I can't even take care of myself. And you want me to meet your need? God said, trust me. Try me herewith. Don't make me quote Malachi. Try me. And she did. Y'all know what happened. Bless God, that was the longest leftover meal she ever had. Went through the, whole, the, through the whole famine. You got what you need. You don't have to go find something to help somebody. You already got what you need to be a blessing. You just got to realize it. You got to realize you have substance. You have materials. You have things right now in your pocket. You have things in your heart. You can meet a need right now. You just got to realize it. Quit making excuses. Well, I can't do nothing. I'm just one person. That's a bunch of hogwash. David, little old bitty fella, little young man, comes into the comes into the camp. Oh, Goliath's down there screaming bloody murder, cussing and raising Cain. That just torqued him off. He said, "Who is he? What's he doing? What does he say?" And here we go. And you know what? God used a little young man who Saul said, you can't do it. You, you, you're just a youth. He has been a soldier from his youth. You're going to get killed. He said, I have a God who can. Amen. And matter of fact, he was awful confident. He got five smooth stones. Why? Because he had other brothers. You got one for him and your four brothers. Bring the whole family on right now. All he had was a sling preacher. That's all he needed. Well, all I have is one little lunch. That's all I need. Gideon says, all I got is a couple hundred men. He said, that's all you need. Are you getting this? We're the poor. For our size church, we're the poorest in Coleman County. But we're seeing God do incredible things, one thing after another, one blessing after another. God said, just bring me what you got and watch what I can do with it. You can. You can make a difference in somebody else's life. You can make a difference. Listen, you can pray for them. And prayer can do more than what you got in your pocket. But if God tells you to use what's in your pocket, you need to use what's in your pocket. He realized, I can do something. Say this with me. I can do something. I can do something. For the broken in this building, I can do something. Church, say amen. Lastly, let's, let's be done. What was number one? We see compassion missing. Number one, compassion missing. Number two, we see compassion moving. Then, then number three, I want you to write this down. We see compassion ministering. Listen, the Bible says 
the two walked on the other side of the road. They were missing. Then, then it says he came to him. He was moved. He came to where he was. Compassion moved him. But then the Bible says he began to pour in the oil and the wine. He bound up his wounds. He bound up his wounds. Write this down. Write this down. A. Eh? We can minister by giving attention immediately. Some people in this building right now don't need you to pray tomorrow. They need to pray right now. What is there any nurses in here? Any nurses? Any doctors in here? Should have known. That's why we're poor, y'all, right there. Amen. Nurses, what do they call that? What do they call it? Is it triage? Is that what they call it when you take the worst first? Is that what that's called? Triage? You know, there's some people in here, they need immediate attention. They need somebody right then to say, hey, let's talk to God about this situation. I'm broken right now. I'm burdened right now. Got tears dripping off their face. They don't need to say, we're going to be praying for you. They don't need that. They need to say, let's talk to Jesus right now. I got a God who can move on your situation right now. Let's cast all our cares. Here we go. Our Father. Here. He didn't throw him on the mule and take him to the end. He met his immediate need right then. Some people may need a bottle of water right now. Some people may need you to just stop at McDonald's and buy a hamburger right now. What good is... Listen... What good is your faith if it doesn't have works with it? Faith without works is dead. Sometimes people need immediate attention. They need immediate attention right then. God is speaking to your heart to move in their life right then. They may need to have their bones mended right then. They may need you to wrap up their wounds right there and show them you care right now. Oh, there'll be time. Yeah, right then. Now is the time. How many of y'all have realized if you put something off, it's harder to get it done? Why do today what you can put off for tomorrow? That's the national anthem of churches today. But I found out this, the more I put it off, the harder it is to do. Let's just do it today. You know what's going to happen? God's going to test y'all. God tested me this week. God tested me this week with an issue. Brother, Brother Dustin, I don't know if he's in the building, but he, he, he knows about this situation. A need came to the church, and it was a little bit out of the ordinary. And, and we was going to do the ordinary. What policy? And all the way home, God said, after all I showed you this week, are you serious? Where's your compassion? This is not an ordinary situation. Sometimes policy just don't cover it. I'm telling you, I had tears in my eyes. I called back. I said, fix that deal. I know it's different. I know it's not the normal. I know all that. I said, but I won't be able to sleep tonight. God won't leave me alone with this. Sometimes God may ask you to do the extraordinary, something different that's out of your comfort zone. Well, I promise you this, if you do it, you'll be blessed for it. 
But sometimes people need attention right then. Brother Travis, can you, can you say amen to this stuff right here? They don't need somebody beating them over the head with a Bible. They need a glass of water. Some people mean well, but they're, 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 they're missing it. Some people, hey, let's think about what we're doing. Attention immediately. Then, then B, by giving accompanying involvement. What do I mean by that? He took this man to the inn. He took this man to the inn, took care of him while he was at the inn. When he left the next day, he gave two pence as two days' wages, two days' wages, and said, listen, I'm going to come back this way. Whatever he needs, you take care of it, and I'll pay you back when I get back. But here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's what the church does. We give them a little token of something that eases our conscience that we did something about it. And we forget about them and go on our merry way. Ain't a whole lot of shouting this morning. You notice that? Because this is where we are. This is reality. This is why the church in America is dying. This is why 77% of all young people that grow up in church by their first year in college are gone. Because we have created a selfish atmosphere in the church. Oh, we love fellowship. I've been, I've been, helping, I've been helping some preachers. They're calling me from all over the place. Help us, please. Help us, please. I'll sit down with them and hurt their feelings bad. I said, I said listen, your main problem is your scorecard's all messed up. Your scorecard's all messed up. How many of y'all play golf in here? Anybody play golf in here? Play golf? Okay. How many of y'all watch football? All righty then. What was the Alabama score yesterday? <laughs> My, what a spiritual bunch. Amen. What was the score? 62 to 13. Who had 62? Who had had 13? Who won? All right. All right. If me and Brother Chad play golf, which we do, we play golf. If I had a 65 and he had a 77, hey, man's got to have a dream. Hey, man. Who would have won? Why? But you said Alabama won because they had like 60-something and the other team had. So how did they win? Y'all have really confused me. Now think about this. That's what's wrong with churches today. Their scorecard's all messed up. Well, if we can get them in the building, we're successful. Really? Really? They fill soccer stadiums up all the time. Does that make that successful? If they leave hurting just as bad as they came, have we really done anything? See, our scorecard's all messed up. What if we could go from, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't count and all that stuff. I know every, every number every week because I want to know what we're doing. But what if we went to say, how'd y'all service go this week? Well, we had 850. 
Or if we could go, man, I tell you what, there was four marriages got put back together. Boy, there was somebody that learned they had cancer. And boy, we surrounded them and prayed for them and we loved on them. Boy, it's time to change the scorecard. To realize it's not what I can come and get. Boy, what can I come and give? We need to get an old-fashioned dose of compassion. Amen? Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, touch us now. Lord, please. We got such an important responsibility.